the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives, sponsored by RC Auto, me and myrc.com. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the next edition of the Rescuers Radio Show at faithtalk1360.com. And uh, my guest uh, today is Melissa Elliott. And you are with the Area Agency on Aging. There are other AAAs out there, but that's you. That's right. <laughs> um, and Region 1, I would think that's Arizona, or is it just Maricopa County? Or Region 1 is Maricopa County. There's seven others in the state of Arizona, so we uh, just serve Maricopa County. So Area Agency on Aging means what to people that may not be aware that are listening? So there are area agencies on aging actually all over the United States, about 660 of them, I believe. Area agencies were really set up through federal legislation back in the 1960s to provide uh, services at the local level uh, to meet the needs of their community, uh, typically serving uh, adults age 60 and older primarily. Now, do you work with homeless population or is this anybody and everybody? So we do work with the homeless population. Um, we provide some services to a homeless day center uh, in downtown Phoenix called the Justice Center. And certainly if there were individuals experiencing homelessness that needed uh, guidance from some of our other programs and services like our senior helpline or benefits assistance, we would, would provide that as well. Nice. So um, let's let's go a little, de- little deeper into your agency of, of what makes it work. Uh, do you depend on state money? Do you depend on don- donations? Do you? Uh, you're a nonprofit, right? Yes. So we are um, a nonprofit, mm-hmm. um, and we are uh, we are receivers of federal and state funding. Nice. Uh, we also apply for a lot of grant funds, foundation funds, and we do receive donations as well from philanthropic efforts in the community or private donors through the tax credit and programs like that. Uh, I believe what makes our area agency so unique is that we have a very diverse array of programs. So as I mentioned, uh, typically area agencies serve people who are 60 and older um, or caregivers or caregivers who are caring for somebody who's 60 and older. But our agency um, also serves a lot of other unique populations. Um, We also focus on serving people between 18 and 59 who have physical disabilities we also serve um, any adult, 18 and older, who's HIV positive. We have a comprehensive case management program, as well as some other p- populations like people 
um, who've been victims of elder abuse or domestic violence, uh, like I said, family caregivers, also those who may be experiencing mental health issues. So the most vulnerable. Definitely. Yeah, in a lot of different areas. Definitely. We um, really focus on serving those who um, aren't connected in other ways, who maybe don't have family support, who are isolated, and who uh, need support to continue living in the community. So I'm getting I'm getting the picture here now. These are people that uh, are not in a care center. They're not in a living center where they do have care. These are people that are outside of those things where they need more assistance, right? Correct. So primarily we serve people who are still in their own community, uh, living in their own home, uh, trying to maintain um, their independence or age in place. We do have one program that works with people who are in licensed facilities. That's our ombudsman program. They're really there to advocate for the rights of those in those facilities. But primarily, yes, we serve um, people who are still living in the community. And how how do they reach out to you? How do they find out about you? So um, one of the greatest things about our agency is that we have the 24-hour senior helpline. They take about 40,000 calls per year from the community. They serve as the main intake for all the programs of our agency. And they're also well-trained in resources uh, here in Maricopa County about a variety of topics. So Anybody that wants to connect with us should start by calling our 24-hour senior helpline. Now, I, I have some numbers here, and I don't know. Uh, my guess is they're probably a month or so outdated. But the number of calls you take is a phenomenal number. This is a number of 16,500 calls. Yes, yeah, so I think the number It's over a four-week four period. Yeah, I think the numbers that you're looking at have specifically been since about the middle of March, which is when we really started to see an increase related to the current events and the yeah. pandemic <laughs> specifically. Yeah. So at this point, the senior helpline's taken about half their yearly call volume just in the past uh, three months. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's been crazy. So that has really ramped up you guys. Uh, and you, you have a large staff or limited staff? So we do have a you have fair, volunteers. Yep, a little bit, a little bit of everything. So we do have a fairly large staff. The staff, uh, the senior helpline staff, was seven people, um, and then we've pulled in some additional staff to help respond to this increase of calls. We've been able to utilize um, some of our existing staff that have kind of had to, you know, have a change in the way they deliver services because we can't do in-person visits right now. So they've been helping. And then, yes, we have had a whole host of people come to us that are willing to volunteer. Very good. So th- did I understand you to say there would be triple that number of calls? So I believe um, to date we've had about 27,000 calls um, since about the middle of March. Wow. Typically, the helpline takes about 40,000 in a year. And is that like a call center or how many call takers do you have? that can handle that load. Yeah, so we have um, seven people that receive those calls, um, and then we've pulled in some additional staff to help during this uh, time, especially when the volume was really high. So I forgot to ask right at the onset of the show, uh, how long have you been with the agency? So I've been with the agency for 13 years. Um, I've worked in a lot of different programs at the agency. Currently, I'm vice president of programs and services, so I oversee um, all of the agency's programs and services. Nice. So uh, you've been in Phoenix a long time? So I've been in Arizona around 14 years. It'll be 14 years in August. I moved here to get my master's degree in social work at ASU, which I did. Yeah, good. And then I found the area agency along the way. (laughs) 
So, um, and you were with nonprofits before that, or or this is it here in here in Phoenix as far as far as that goes. After you had your master's degree. Yeah, so I worked in another state, um, working mostly in skilled nursing facilities. They also were nonprofits, so I have done nonprofit work for a long time. But prior to my work with the area agency, I did a little bit of home health work, and I worked in uh, nursing homes and skilled, faci- skilled okay, nursing so, facilities. So one just doesn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to work for the area agency on aging. Uh, there's a lot of nonprofits in Arizona, 1,000 or so, right? that are under the umbrella that that even your nonprofit is under, I think. But um, but um, why this nonprofit? What attracted you? So um, I actually didn't really know much about Area Agencies on Aging when I applied for the job. Um, I had about six years' experience at that point working with the older adult population, which I knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, I knew I wanted to be a social worker and had already been doing social work um, and I found the area agency, and like I said, I've been there for 13 years. So for you. I just feel that they're very uniquely positioned to really respond to the local needs of their community. And um, our agency is great because we do so many innovative programs that there's always something new that we get to implement and uh, you know improve uh, the needs of our community. I, I just can't even imagine the pressure of the agency right now since COVID. But... Um, Let's talk about COVID, and we'll do that in just a second. I'm going to uh, take care of my sponsor here. One of my greatest joys in life has been obtaining a vehicle from RC Auto. Yes, I said a joy in reference to buying or leasing a vehicle. Instead of walking into a car dealership lot and facing a horde of vultures waiting for you, you are invited into a calm, friendly office where you will be asked things like, what have you been driving? What are you looking for? What is your budget? That's when the car buying or leasing experience changes into an easy educational experience. RC Auto is not a typical car or truck dealership, so they have the advantage of seeking different brands like Toyota, Lexus, Subaru, and more from a broad selection from sources that you never have to visit or arm wrestle a salesperson. The joy is not being sold, but educated into the right decision for you. For your next vehicle, go to RC Auto, where it's more than just an exchange of keys. It's a relationship. Make an appointment today at meandmyrc.com. So um, the COVID uh, pandemic, uh, the scary thing is we're almost at a point where people are taking it for granted which is dangerous, right? Definitely. And in the work that you're doing where the spikes, you see the actual spikes and are and you know better that it it has not gone away and there's no way to get rid of it actually. Right. So how has that affected and continues to affect the agency? So I think uh because we work with the vulnerable population, our population is vulnerable anyway. Um, and then when you have, um, you know, a public health uh, an emergency where we have uh, individuals in our population are also at great risk um, with to acquire COVID or have complications because of COVID, what we see um, is there is a lot of anxiety around that for our older adult population, especially those who may not be connected to family and friends. What really uh, caused our uptick in calls to the senior helpline was concern about accessing food and making sure that they could get to the grocery store and get the things that they needed 
because they really had a lot of fear and didn't feel comfortable going out and kind of engaging in their normal day-to-day activities. And a lot of people, these are a lot of individuals that have never had to ask for help before. And so knowing how to go about that and feeling okay about having to ask for that kind of help, you know, from an agency when maybe before you were able to kind of maintain that on your own causes a lot of anxiety and they, you know, they need the community and agencies like ours to help them. Is there a counseling component to your agency? Yes. And I ask that because COVID, I mean, and living alone, being separated, uh, there can be depression, there can be all kinds of different uh, anxiety issues. Absolutely. So we already, prior to COVID, were a licensed behavioral health agency. We have clinical social workers on staff all the time who provide one-on-one counseling. One thing we've added um, since getting this large number of calls is we now are doing what um, is called telephone reassurance calls. So a lot of people that have called us for assistance, we're following up with and calling weekly or every other week just to kind of check on them, make sure that they're okay, give them somebody that they can talk to and have as a lifeline in case they have concerns. And then if we see, you know, anxiety or depression in those, we can refer them then to our counseling program. Yeah. Well, and, or even anger issues. I mean, it could be could be a list of other things. But you're, you're taking food into the homes. You're taking all of these other services to them. You have to protect yourselves as well. Right. So, you know, prior to this, we already, um, you know, contract with a whole host of home-delivered meal providers that are all over Maricopa County. Of course, yeah. Um, and it's been amazing. Most of them are still doing what they they do, but certainly they're taking extra precautions. And then we've also been delivering uh, food boxes and a supplemental bag full of some great, you know, produce and things like that that we've been able to get. But um, we use volunteers and AmeriCorps members to do that. So we've also made sure that they take precautions um, for the people that they're going out and delivering that to. Very good. So uh, naturally, with all the, I don't even know how many companies there are here in the Valley. I've, I would assume there's a big number of, of, of those delivery companies. It's competitive, I know. But um, are they aware of what they may be walking to or walking into? Yeah, so most of the meal providers are senior centers. Okay. Um, they're kind of hub, they're centralized within a senior center. So, yes, they are aware and have received guidance from, you know, the city that they're a part of or whoever governs them um, in terms of what precautions they should be taking or what services they can or can't provide. So, yeah, there's been a lot of guidance even at the federal level down in terms of how do we continue providing services in a safe way to this very vulnerable group that needs it. So they become your kitchen. Essentially, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they already were before yeah. um, doing the meals, but now there's just some extra thought that has to go into it in terms of the way we deliver it and what precautions need to be taken. Yeah. Well, you, you seem so comfortable in what you're doing, and, and you, you must be, I know it's a passion for you and you love it, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's very um, rewarding um, to see you know programs come to life and to know that we've done and provided a service um, that's really helped somebody and helped them to be able to stay in their home or helped a caregiver be able to continue caring for somebody that they love. Let's talk about Operation Hope. What is that? So Operation Hope is what we named um, our pandemic response. Um, so the HOPE, which was creatively thought of by one of our staff, stands for Helping Older People Eat. 
So we, um, our main focus has really been on that. Um, that's the main um, issue that people have presented to us with is really needing to have access to food. So as I mentioned, um, we are we do have some food boxes, and we've also been able to cre- create this great supplemental bag that gives them some extra things um, that they need um, just to maintain their daily living in terms of produce and some cheese and things like that. Um, we also have some household items that we can get them that we've been able to um, acquire or purchase. And so we've been utilizing volunteers to deliver those things. Um, and the reassurance calls are a part of that too. Everybody that we take a food box to um, gets on our reassurance call list. Uh-huh. So they're getting a follow-up call. Yeah. Um, so Operation Hope has been, you know, really our pandemic response, all the resources and everything that we've been able to mobilize to really respond to people during this time. So I'm glad we're talking about that part because um – I don't know, the the normal or, I mean, the regular citizens of our communities don't really know sometimes of what's going on behind that wall or behind uh, with that service. They don't understand. Um, and And this is a valuable, valuable service that you guys have. And the number of people, you probably can't even count a number, right? It's got to be large. I think that um, for this specific Operation Hope Relief, um, I know that we've delivered at this point close to 1,800 food boxes since about the middle of March. Typically, through all of our programs and services for a year, we serve around 127,000 people a year. That's our direct programs and our contracted programs. But during those last three months, um, we've we've delivered about 1,800 uh, food boxes um, so those are all new people that have come to us just in the last uh, since about the middle of March. My goodness. And how do they find out about you? So the senior helpline phone number, which, as I said before, is our main intake number, is widely promoted um, <laughs> in the community. In fact, when the pandemic first started, it was widely promoted on social media. Um, so that is what led to some of the increase in call volume and um, but we, we promote that number everywhere. It's on all of our promotional materials. We do targeted media. Um, you, you have a couple of our press releases, which probably has that phone number in it. So it's um, something that we spread freely and widely in the community. I'm looking for it. It's probably at the end. Oh, there it is. Yes. Uh, the toll-free number, the 24-hour no, there's a local number and a toll-free yeah. number. Yeah, so the local number is 602-264-HELP or 602-264-4357. Nice. And um, so COVID has not been a real dear friend of you, of yours, or your agencies, right? They're not a dear friend of anybody's. <laughs> no, I mean, certainly it's... Not there, it. Yeah. <laughs> it's an it. Certainly, we've had to think outside the box. I mean, one of the things that we really believe in is the value of having a home is, home visit um, with a client that wants services from us. So most of our programs are typically operate in somebody calls us, they ask for services, a case manager, social worker goes out and makes a home visit. That hasn't been possible for these past few months. All of our case managers are doing telephonic uh, support, which has been a huge change of operations uh, for us and and a little more difficult because we believe it's good to see the home environment to help know what's going on with that person. 
Um, and certainly we've had to mobilize a lot more resources just because we've had so many people calling the helpline in particular for assistance. So, and th- these are probably people that may not have a computer or know how to operate a computer or how to do Zoom. So um, you can't really see them when you're calling them, right? Right. So, yeah, we don't normally see them. Um, it's strictly, you know, telephone-based. Um, we are doing some things by Zoom as we can, um, but, you know, technology with our population that we serve yes. isn't as widely used as it may be in other populations. So, but if there's programs that we can offer by Zoom and people are willing to participate, we are starting to kind of venture into that. Okay. So, um you keep, you've mentioned several times other programs. Are there other programs we haven't talked about? So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about the behavioral health program. Uh, one program that I would mention that um, is our benefits assistance program. And so the benefits assistance program provides uh, benefits counselors who are knowledgeable about Medicare and other insurance plans. So if people have questions about the plan that they're on or they need to Uh, change plans or they have questions about maybe their prescription drug plan or how can I get assistance. Um, We have people ready and waiting that can answer their questions. Um, And then I talked a little bit about this, but we also have the family caregiver support program. So uh, people who are caring for a family member, we want them to know that there is help out there for them. They can get help. They can get support. Um, Another important one uh, right now is our ombudsman program. I know there's been lots in the media about uh, nursing homes and um, uh, people who are. Oh, well, they've been at the the headline most of the time, right? Yeah. And so our ombudsmen are really there to advocate for the rights of residents. It's been a challenging time for them because they too can't go and visit right. the residents. So, but we want to know that residents can still call the ombudsman program. They can family members can still call. Um, if they have questions or need to consult or have concerns about their loved one who's in a licensed facility, yeah, it's it's a it's an it's not a fun thing. I mean, this is this is a, a kind of a dark area as the p- t- pandemic is concerned. Uh, you have somebody in the hospital, you can't go visit them. You have somebody in a care center, you can't go visit them. So it isolates them to the point that um, that that they really are wondering. Is anybody out there? Does anybody really care? And and you're always there to to you're the buffer, right? You 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 take care of those things. Certainly, I mean, certainly we want people to call if they feel um, that they need assistance. Um, you know, we've also been concerned um, about you know people who may be vulnerable or at risk for elder abuse or domestic violence. Oh. Um, because people are more isolated, you know, they may be around the person who is abusing them more because everybody's staying at home, um, and they're less connected to their community right now where where other people might recognize that there's an issue or a problem. In our uh, rescuer show about two weeks ago, I had a a former police officer from Phoenix who uh, started a program within the police department called uh, um, Angels on Patrol, I don't know if you've ever heard of them. I haven't. But these are compassionate law enforcement officers that uh, when they go to a domestic violence call and once the call itself is taken care of in whatever manner that is, one of them, if they're a member of this Angels on Patrol, they they stay behind and they start asking questions. Can I see the inside of your living quarters? Can I... 
Are you, are you having problems with appliances? Are you having problems with food or water? Or are you, are you having, um, how else can we help you? And then they actually attach themselves to that family and keep going back. So it's kind of an outer, who would, who would think from the police department? Yeah, that as a, as a social yeah. worker, that yeah. speaks to my social work <laughs> I, I, That's that, why I bring it up. Yeah, that they um, that's in, in, it's important. It's important to have those kind of connections. Um, you know, there's the legal side of it, but it's important to have those kind of connections on the social support side as well, so that people feel like they have somebody that they can reach out to. Yeah, but isn't that cool to know that? Very cool. I didn't know that, so I learned something new today. Kind of, <laughs> yay! <laughs> so it's kind of a, it's kind of a hidden. No, you know, it's not publicized. They don't say, hey, look at me, because it's not about them. It's about uh, caring for those people that are in dire need. And and especially in a in a domestic violence situation or maybe it's a parent kid problem or whatever that is uh, that 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 they that they do that. So um, I'm glad to hear your caregivers are there as well to make those follow up calls and and to see if there's something missing, you know, what, how, can, how else can I help them? Right. And it takes time to build that trust. So I think, you know, calling them every week or every other week is important. So they start to build that trust. So as with all the other uh, rescuer programs, changing and saving lives is the key. And thank you for being who you are with the Area Agency on Aging. That's hard to say altogether. Yep. But uh, I always ask my guests uh, one last question. Uh, COVID-19 is going to spur a lot of stories. What's your story going to be when this is over? I think our story is um, just what it always is, that we're here to help, and we really want people to make their last call to us, and we want them to get the, get connected and know that there's help available. Nice. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you. It's been wonderful. Thank you. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Sponsored by RC Auto, where it's not just an exchange of keys, it's a relationship.